0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator ten for ten percent off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, and uh, we're we're trying to get used to an off season schedule, a little bit different. There's not a game to preview. We have no game previews anymore because the Chiefs just got done winning a Super Bowl at the last game of the year. So now we kinda of turn our attention to the offseason. Here to help me turn our attention to the offseason. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane. What is up, my friend? I'm
2: doing good. I have only watched the Super Bowl live until these past couple of days, and I finally got a chance to sit down and actually watch it, not purely as a fan. It's been a lot of fun. I very much enjoy getting to go back watch it through a more analytical lens here. But I'll tell you one thing: the Super Bowl the second time around, that much more sweeter than it was even when it was live. Now, that being said, unfortunately, our dear friend Craig Stout cannot join us today. I sent him on a mission to build a flux capacitor so I could always go back into time <laughs> to watch the game live. But, Oh, 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 never mind. Craig's back. He's already finished. It took him like 32 minutes because he's the Renaissance man. So tell us how you're doing today, Craig.
3: Oh, we're going with this bit again. Okay, <laughs> It's well, the off season. We need something to talk about. The, I guess, man. I guess. I'm doing great, guys. Uh, it's been a very, very long, long, long week, but I'm happy to be here talking football with Matty No Sleeves and can't pretend to be Ryan Fitzpatrick with the deepest V imaginable, you guys. It's glorious.
1: Just, uh, just uh, lowered it a little bit more for you, buddy. There's no way this ends bad. Uh, we've got... So we've got a lot of questions that carried over from the mailbag. and We told you we would answer those. And then later in the show, we're going to do a mock draft because I, I let me just be the first one to wish you all listening a very merry draft draft miss. It's it's time. We're going to start paying attention to the draft. We'll start taking questions about the draft. We'll take questions about free agency and we'll start with this one right here. Queso prime asks how bad is free agency going to hurt next season? I know we have a lot of players on defense that are up. Okay. So I think this is, this is a great place to start. Free agency is going to hurt this year. A lot of things about the roster construction are going to hurt this year. There are difficult decisions to be made on this football team. You know, Chris Jones, we'll talk about in a little bit. Sammy Watkins, um, key players uh, that you know that made contributions or started. Bashad Breland, they're going to move on from. They're going to move on from several players this year. That's just the reality of it. There's a lot of decisions to make. There's there might be some guys on the chopping block that you might be a little bit surprised by. Um, it's not, it, it's going to be a challenge. It's, there's probably going to be some things that make most people unhappy, but let me just say this, this organization just got done winning a super bowl. What decisions they make this off season, they deserve the benefit of the doubt because they built this thing to win last year and they're going to figure out ways to build it moving forward.
2: Free agency is coming up, guys. And somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a big cap guy, but we have roughly $16 million in cap space as of right now. Yes. That's plenty of money to move around with. You have guys you can get rid of and stuff like that. So that's money to play with. You can do stuff in free agency, but you have to be very particular in what you do. The moves you make right now when you only have $16 million in cap space with this team, going to affect you for the next couple of years like this isn't just moves for next year this is setting yourself up to be a good team for a long period of time you have to pay attention to what's happening down the road and right now this team's loaded with guys that contributed huge in the super bowl that are either on huge deals that can be cut to save money guys that are free agents guys that you want back you may not want back or to stay on the team this team's got a lot of people they're gonna get paid there's a super bowl pay bump for everybody that wins these guys that are free agents or on the team that you don't want, they're going to get more money than you might think at some occasions. So you just have to be careful of that when you're looking forward, but free agency time's going to be a little wild for the chiefs this year. But like Kent said, they're the reigning super bowl champions, everything they've done this year works. I think that gives them a lot of leeway.
3: Yeah. uh, Like Therese Paler calls it, he calls it the happy tax that's, Mm. you know, when you succeed, if you're in the super bowl, that means you're a good team. Good teams have good players. When those players' contracts are up, they get to point to the fact that they were on a good team, an integral part of a good team. And when you win rings, you get diamonds to point at as well as being able to point to the good team that you're on. They're going to just lose some guys sheerly because... They're going to price themselves out of Kansas City's market. Teams are going to pursue a lot of the Chiefs free agents. They're going to try and acquire some of the players on the Chiefs roster. And the Chiefs have to be very savvy about how they handle it. The the holes that they create by letting guys walk and the priorities that they need to put in there. So, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason, particularly on the defensive side of the ball.
1: But just remember, the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions and all that pain will be uh, temporary and championships last forever. Uh, Keith, mm-hmm. Keith McClain asks, uh, do Chris Jones, Kendall Fuller, or Bashad Breeland re-sign in Kansas City? Let's just go across the room and just give quick little takes. Do you think Chris, okay. do you think Chris Jones signs in, in Kansas City, Craig?
3: Oh, I don't. And I think it's purely money-based. I think they want to keep Chris Jones. But I know we've got some more questions coming up here about Chris. But I think the way that Spaggs likes his heavier defensive tackles and they he likes them to be better against the run than Chris Jones is on a snap-to-snap basis, I think that the price tag that Chris Jones will require makes him out of the price range for the Chiefs. I think they'd love to keep him at the right price, but I think he's going to ask for top dollar. I think that's
2: the trick. It's if Chris Jones is going to be willing to take Grady Jarrett level money, or is he going to ask for Aaron Donald level money? Because I think both of those guys are top five pass rushing defensive tackles, just like Chris Jones is. It depends on where that spectrum he wants to be. And if he wants to be at that tippy top with Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox, that's just going to be a tough squeeze with going back to what we just said. There's a fair amount of holes in this team that do need to be improved if you want to keep playing to the Super Bowl winning level. And if you spend all the money you have, which is likely going to be pretty much what it would be to pay Chris Jones, it gets a lot harder and you don't give yourself any wiggle room. So it comes down to what he wants, but I'm with Craig right now. I think he's going to want top dollar. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to swing that this year.
1: I, I tend to lean with where these guys are falling as well on Chris Jones. I think you know there's these are the big tough decisions. I think this is the biggest decision that they have to make. Do they try to continue to to make this roster and make the the contract structure significantly top heavy uh, which could be the case. they're, they're gonna they're, it, I mean Pat's not getting any cheaper and he's worth every penny. don't get me wrong, but I mean it's going to become a, a significant challenge. Uh, especially with Patrick Mahomes looming. I would I think I I feel like they're gonna try to opt for more flexibility, get some draft picks for Chris Jones with a tag and trade. That would be my guess right now. All right, Kendall Fuller.
3: Okay. You asked me this a month ago. I'm saying that Kendall Fuller is staying in Kansas City because of his positional flexibility and what Steve Spagnolo got out of him. But after the postseason that Kendall Fuller had and the Super Bowl mm-hmm. that Kendall Fuller had, somebody is going to try and pay him starting safety money. He's not going to be a starting safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to prefer Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew out there. You're just not going to pay somebody starting safety money to sit on the bench, especially when you got some other safety and you've got some safety depth on the team. You don't need to pay a guy like Kendall Fuller. So I think he's walked but it's purely because his performance was so good down the stretch.
2: Yeah. And I'll spend a little bit more time with Fuller just because I know we have more Chris Jones questions but this might be the only Kendall Fuller one we have. It is. Yeah. He played not only like a starting safety, but like a great safety in the Super Bowl. He was good throughout the whole playoffs. But if you want to talk about guys that could have maybe got the nod as MVP as a defensive player, I think it starts very close to Kendall Fuller. He was that good. He was near perfect in coverage. There was two different times where they wanted to throw the ball to George Kendall. and guess who was right there blanketing him? Kendall Fuller. He had a pass breakup that we all saw. He had the high-pointing interception. that was a great play. He came down in the box and made tackles. He is a safety. I think the NFL is going to pay him as a safety. Someone will pay him to start 100%. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah talking about it recently, or maybe it was Dane Brugler. There's three roles for a safety. You got to play high. You got to play in the box or out in the slot. You have to do two of the three to survive in the NFL as a safety right now. Kindle Kendall Fuller might be able to do all three at a decent level in that role, he's going to get paid. Now, as a starter, now the trick is starting safeties have a very wide range of cash. Some starters get paid $3, 4000000 million. Others that are really good get over 10. There's not a ton of middle ground. So if a team doesn't want to give him the middle ground money, the Chiefs might be able to afford him. I just think after that Super Bowl, he's going to benefit the most from that happy tax that we're talking about. So not back in Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I think I was gonna say I think Kendall Fuller is one of the prime examples of a, of a guy that took this opportunity and, and ran with it here in the Super Bowl, and he's gonna wind up making himself a lot more money as a result of it. Bashad Breland, Craig.
3: Bashad Breland, I'm paying. Bashad Breland bought fully into Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. He plays the type of corner that Spagnuolo likes. He integrated very well with the locker room. They love him. I don't know what Bashad Breland's top-end market is. I don't know if somebody's going to offer him more than his Carolina deal from two years ago, which would have been, what, about $8 million a yeah, year, Three twenty four, correctly. Yeah. yeah, three for 24. I'll tell you what. $8 million for what Bashad Breland brought you this year? Well worth it. Uh, with the price of cornerbacks right there, I would gladly pay that to keep that consistency. Get yourself another, he's a mid-tier veteran there. You still need to draft a guy. You still need to address a position, but he gives you a little more flexibility to go get a guy that fits your system rather than just having to take a guy that needs to play immediately. So I'm going after Bashad Breland this year.
2: Shocking. I also agree here. I think Bashad (laughs) Breland is the next guy I would include in that defensive MVP from the Super Bowl. I think all year he played very well. I think he got a bad, not even bad rep. He just didn't get as much attention as he should have, I think, from fans because Charvarius Ward was surprising and maybe had some flashier stats out there. I think Bashad Breland played better, at least through half, you know, in half of the games. He was the best cornerback the Chiefs put on the field. I think he was. Easily the best one of the guys that they played corner in the playoffs. Like it wasn't even close for me. He's not gonna be crazy expensive. You're looking at roughly probably around the deal he signed two years ago with Carolina, which was three years for 24 million, so eight million dollars a year. I think that's completely, completely fine for a guy that is a starting caliber cornerback. He's not gonna shut down number one wide receivers every single week, but he's also never gonna get torched over and over again. And you see he can have huge games. Bring me Bashad Breland at that level of cash. Absolutely no problem with that. He bought in. He was part of this team and he made plays when it mattered.
1: If Steve Nelson can get eight million dollars in the mar- on the market, I think. Oh but, my goodness. I man. mean, yeah. I ha- how's the best team he been on no cap looking? <laughs> uh Bashad or uh Steve. Kermit T. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I mean, oh, I I got takes on that guy. You can find him on my Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson hashtag Shameless Plug T Rex Fifty One with Sammy Watkins and Chris Jones stating they want to stay in KC. What do you think the chances are that they do? Okay,
3: I'm gonna lead off with this because I I, I was talking to Kent before the podcast a little bit about this. Everybody looks at these players saying, I want to spend my entire career in Kansas City. I want to stay here. I'm willing to talk, everything like that. It makes sense. Stability is good. Long-term contracts are good. These guys want that sort of stability long-term, the locker room. All of that is positive. But here's the thing. It's still about money. Sammy Watkins is talking about how he loves Kansas City and how he wants to say, guess what? Kansas City paid him. It's not like he's been here the past two years on a cheap deal. They paid him a lot of money, and he's due a lot of money. The other part of this, the players aren't the only ones getting paid here. Agents are getting paid. And an agent that takes a less-than-market deal becomes a, a target when he's trying to acquire new players later. If somebody's coming out in the draft and... They're coming out there and they're trying to decide between a couple of agencies. You now give another agent leverage over you because that agent can turn around and say, Well, yeah, he didn't get market value for this player, or he took a friendly discount for here. I'll make sure that I go to bat for you and make the team want you at the price that you've earned. That's key. That's important, and that's very important to these agents. So they've got these guys in their ear. They want to get paid well, and the agents want to get paid well. It's just a situation where you're going to have these players still wanting money. I've seen way too many takes about these guys willing to accept significantly less than their market value to stay with the Chiefs. That's not happening, guys. It's just not
1: all right, real quick, guys. I'm just gonna go across the room on on Watkins and Jones. Give me a percent chance that you think they're going to uh, remain in Kansas City. Craig, Sam Watkins, percent chance he's back next year.
3: Fifteen percent under his current contract. Maddie,
1: under any contract,
2: fifty-one percent.
3: I am
1: forty-two percent that he's back.
3: I'm leaning he's not. Chris Jones, Craig, real quick. I 25% because he's go, he's going to get paid like a top tier defensive tackle and I just don't think the Chiefs can shoulder that.
2: 13.7%. i am with Craig. He's going to get paid.
1: I'll Yeah, I think he's going to get paid too. I don't think the he Chiefs. Should. Get Good on him. Paid. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, you got your ring. Now go no go get your go get your paycheck. Uh, I'll call it I'll call it 30% he's back 35 So Cal oh wait no sorry oh wages wages Robbie asks do you think that the Chiefs will trade Sammy Watkins? I think they're gonna try and this is another one of those benefits that you know you have when you win a Super Bowl when your player has an absurd postseason and is one of the key cogs in a Super Bowl run I think Sammy Watkins, any team that acquires Sammy Watkins would be taking on a one-year $14 million contract. I don't think it's going to be significant draft capital to acquire Sammy Watkins, but I think there's a lot of teams out there with some cap space that might as well try to bring in a guy with a championship pedigree that's been there, that has the experience, that's a professional, all that stuff. Productive, nine hundred, a little under 1,000 yards in 17 games this season. I think at a a one-year $14 million cap figure, I think you can acquire a Sammy Watkins for a day three pick.
2: I would have said, even through a good postseason leading up to the Super Bowl, I don't think anyone's going to trade for that cap number. I think that people are going to understand that a lot of what he gets done is because he's in Kansas City. He's been given the chance to be a bigger role in other offenses, and it hasn't quite panned out. The thing is, the guy just keeps producing in the playoffs. Over and over again, he produces when it matters. You may only get three of those games during the regular season, but those three games look great, and then he's there when it matters. I could see a team thinking they could make him a bigger focal point of their offense and trying to trade for him and then extend him. So I think it's a chance that a team will try to reach out about him. I just don't know. I think the Chiefs, if he is willing to restructure, take less money, essentially get rid of his contract and take on less money. If he really wants to be in Kansas City, I think they would take him coming back at a lower amount than they would be willing to trade him for what I think someone's going to trade for a $21 million receiver at this point.
3: Here's the thing. Wide receiver contracts, $14 million a year. You're talking Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffries a little bit less than that, so is T.Y. Hilton. Those guys, you could argue... Are not or are more impactful on a game to game basis than Sammy Watkins. Now you factor in the fact that this is a historic, potentially historic wide receiver class in the draft. I think it's going to be hard to explain to somebody that you're going to give up an, a significant asset for a $14 million cap hit and an injury-prone wide receiver who literally just got done saying he might retire if he goes to a losing (laughs) team. Like, I I think that the motivation for doing that would be very difficult. I think that's a hard sell for fans. Honestly, his best fit's in Kansas City. It really, truly is in Kansas City. So I think that, yeah, they'll definitely put some feelers out. If they got great value for him, they might go ahead and trade him. I just don't know how you can justify on the opposite end that he's worth that kind of asset when you can go out and try and get another guy that's maybe a little more reliable.
1: I don't think the asset would be big to acquire him. And on a one year deal essentially, if you throw a sixth round pick out there, if you throw a fifth round pick out there, especially if like you're the Dolphins who have all the capital in the world, just throwing one of those picks out there, you have the cap space to acquire him. Devin Funch just got one year thirteen million dollars on the open market last year. On the one-year deal, it's it's mostly for me about the one-year deal. A team might be just trying to to you know bring a, a quality caliber player like that um, for a day three pick if you got the space. SoCal eleven eighty six. How deep are roster cuts going to be this offseason to make room for Patrick LeVon Mahomes? The PLM fifteen and maybe Chris Jones. If you're gonna keep both, you're going to make sacrifices. You're going to have to make sacrifices. Uh, in order to make that work, if you're going to try to fill all the other holes that you have, especially since you're not getting draft capital to you know to move on from Chris, you're going to have five draft picks, and if you can maybe get something for Sammy, if you can get something for you know maybe you can get a a sixth or a seventh for like an, a Lebron Duvernay Tardif at five million dollars, but I don't think that's happening. There's it's it, there's going to be some tough decisions. You can't keep. For instance, you can't re-sign Pat, re-sign Chris, and keep Sammy. Like, that is not happening. That's one of the scenarios. That's not happening. So, there's going to be difficult decisions, and there's going to be some deep roster cuts, and probably a player or two that you're surprised by.
2: If you want to keep both of them, yeah, Sammy's probably going to have to go or figure out some way to save money on him. But even more so, I think you're going to be looking at four to five other guys that have to be cut that were significant contributors, even down the stretch of the Chiefs. Like guys like LDT who started, Dan Sorensen, like these kind of, Damian Wilson, these are kind of guys that did play for the Chiefs. They made plays. They did things for the Chiefs that I think you would have to get rid of to make both of them fit to have that extra emergency money. And it'd be really hard to squeeze in any addition in free agency. So like Ken said, not only are you only dealing with five picks, all of which are coming at the end of their respective rounds, you're also going to deal with very minimal free agency activity unless you're cutting even more guys. Like, I feel like it's going to be a big stretch to keep both of them without having to cut a lot of guys. And then that's when you really eat into the depth of your team. And I don't think that's how you build a long-term successful kind of dynasty.
3: It's like our buddy, Jake, who does the draft podcast with us. Jake Morley said, you have to be perfect in 2020 if you only have five picks and you're trying to rebuild. There are a lot of holes. Now, if Brett Veach knocks it out of the park and has a similar draft to 2019, you can escape that sort of scenario. But you are really hamstringing yourself and your ability to be flexible, both in free agency and in the draft and with some of the positions that you can fill throughout your roster, it, you're basically requiring yourself to hit on Charvarius Ward, to hit on Bashad Breland, to hit on Damian Williams again. And that's really tough to do if you're a GM. It puts your pressure on you really, really strong. So I, I just think that it's really tough to do. All uh,
1: right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back right after this.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
4: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make
1: All right, we are continuing on with our uh, first post, you know, first off-season kind of edition of uh, of the AP Laboratory. We'll start with this quite We're continuing questions. Mark Spark asks, "Will Darwin Thompson play a bigger role in the Chiefs' backfield next year?"
2: I, mean, I think it will be a bigger role. Yes. The issue I think you have right now with Darwin Thompson is what he does good is essentially the same way they already use Damian Williams. And if Daryl comes back, Daryl the barrel, quote unquote, I still mm. don't like this nickname, but if he comes back, <laughs> his usage also eats into what Darwin Thompson does too. Like the kind of thing is right now, he's kind of the third guy in the same style of running backs that the Chiefs already have. I do think he's a little shiftier, so he does offer something, but he was a day three draft pick. He needed time to get accustomed to the NFL. He came from a smaller school. I think his first rookie year was absolutely fine. No complaints about it. I hope he gets more work, but I do think you saw the Chiefs not trust him a ton down the stretch. You just hope that increases and they find more creative ways to get him involved.
1: Trusted him more than uh, than Shady McCoy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, well, I mean with Darwin, I think they'll, I think they'll try to replace him. I mean, I think they'll 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 bring some competition in. I think he, he's got. I mean, I don't think he's got an uphill battle, but I think he's going to be getting pushed a little bit. I hope that a year being here in Kansas City, getting to learn things, allows him to play faster, to to get on the field quicker, um, to have that familiarity. That could certainly help him. I like him as a player. I was a fan of his as a player. I think I had a, a round five grade on him going into it. So I thought he. I thought they got good value for him in round six, um, but you know, it's 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 going to fall on him. If he if he can continue to to improve, obviously hearing he more trust than LaShawn McCoy. He got a carry. He came very close to scoring a Super Bowl touchdown uh at the goal line. So um I'm rooting for him. I like him. I bet he's gonna get some competition though. Wichita Chief Sam, if you had to target a free agent on offense only, which player would it be? Uh taking account what the price tag would likely be, so not someone like Amari Cooper.
2: I think for me right now, I would lean towards somebody like Joe Thune from the New England Patriots. I think he would fit very well in the Chiefs kind of zone blocking scheme. I don't think he's the stoutest of players, but he's got good movement skills. I think he's pretty natural in pass protection. I don't think his price would be astronomical just because the Patriots offensive line isn't seen as great. And he's a guy that was kind of a later round, -round, mid-round, late-round draft pick. So I think he would be reasonable on the price tag. He would instantly become the Chiefs' best interior offensive lineman. And while he might not be able to play center, he's an ex-tackle in college, which always tickles Andy Reid's fancy. I think he just fit in really well as a guard here. Uh,
1: For me... I uh, I think I would go with maybe like Kenyon Drake and see what Kenyon Drake's markets like I hit might be a little bit too big. In fact, I, I imagine the Cardinals are not probably not going to let him out. Uh, he had a really nice season in Arizona. I like his ability as a pass catcher um, and if you know if the price is right, I would take a look at him and you know, throwing him into the mix, um, but I, I have a pretty stingy price point on running backs in general.
2: If we can include uh, restricted free agents, Bring me Matt Breida. The 49ers yeah. really don't want to use him. I mentioned this last week, though. Matt Breida in this offense put this man in space. Let that Ooh. extra level of speed get on the field. I'm not usually a guy to go crazy over just adding speed to add speed. In this situation, though, he's not a bad runner. Let him flourish.
1: The Legion Free, of the Zoom. secondary cheetah. The, the Legion. Yeah. No, they, I think we'd have two, two cheetahs two cheetahs on the roster at the same time. Be perfect. The Legion of Zoom just keeps growing and, and strengthening. Uh Graver Tanner asks, "Can you refresh your takes on Darius Harris, the linebacker, and Tim Ward, the defensive end? I seem to recall they were prototypical spags players but not where uh but were non-football injured, NFI last season. Do you think they have a chance to contribute?"
2: Darius Harris was interesting. I think a lot of teams, and it was kind of reported that a lot of people kind of liked him. He just had a shoulder injury preparing for the NFL draft. But he was an athletic linebacker, really long. He's a like a lengthy linebacker build, which is a very normal thing, like a Telvin Smith or Darius Leonard looking guy. Not that he's up to their level, just he kind of looks like that on the field. But he was athletic and he had some power in his hand. So yeah, he fits the mold of a Spags linebacker that was probably a little better versus the run, but he had the ability to drop into coverage a little bit and run. So I'm interested to see him get out on the field. I liked what I saw from him, but it was, I believe, at middle Tennessee State. He got yes. that big jump in competition. I am interested to see what he has. I think Craig was a big fan of Tim or big fan's relative, but a fan of Tim Ward. He,
1: he liked him he liked Tim Ward. Uh, by the way, Craig had to jump out, but uh he liked Tim Ward as a Spags D.A., that doesn't mean he had like a high grade. He had like a very low grade on him still.
2: Right. And Tim Ward was still pretty light. He was lighter than most Steve Spagnuolo defensive ends, but I think he was relatively new to the position and he had a lot of power and he played through his length really well. So I think that's kind of what Craig was looking at. So he's a guy that likes to play through long arms and extending offensive tackles off of him. So he fits with the Chiefs want. I think he's going to be good in the rotation. Like I do. I agreed with Craig about his style of play. If he can add on some weight, some muscle. He can play in a similar way that Damone Harris did this year.
1: There's a reason that they were strategic about keeping Darius Harris and Tim Ward. They like them as players. They like what they bring. They like their athletic prototype. That's why those guys got to hang around at, on pup list or whatever it was. And I'm I they they both got a red shirt. Tim Ward's pretty young too. I think he's still only going to be 22 next year. If I'm if I'm correct. Um, so I, I, both these guys are definitely people to keep an eye on. I'm excited to see them participating in programs because if either of these guys hit either, either of these lottery tickets hit that's massive for this football team. The getting you know it, it's Finding the undrafted free agents that wind up making football teams and finding guys that can contribute is massive. There's not a great science to it. Some teams are better at it than others. Some teams are, are better at recruiting some of these types of players. I think a, a team like the Chiefs has to be very intentional about that moving forward because they've 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 got some, you know, some expensive football players on their rosters, namely Patrick LaVon Mahomes soon. So you know that's why you know having guys like Charvarius Ward and Ben Neiman and Daryl the Barrel Williams and guys like that having them contribute is is massive for your football team. Hopefully, Darius Harris and Tim Ward, hopefully both, <laughs> frankly, can can find a way to make this football team and contribute. It's time for a mock draft, Maddie. You've been looking forward to this oh for a while, God, I'm sure. About
2: time. Wake.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Maddie. Like, we're we have hundreds of prospects graded already for the KC Draft Guide, hundreds already, and we're gonna keep grinding. There's about sixty-ish days until the guide releases. We're creeping. We've got a lot of we got a lot of work ahead of us, but we're really excited about it. Uh, let's go ahead and do the first mock draft with the Chiefs drafting at a very sexy thirty-second. Like, that just is delicious. What does this feel I, like? What is this? I don't know. Me and Craig and Matt, we make jokes all the time, like, during the season about who are the Chiefs taking at 32. It happened. It actually is happening. I wasn't so let's joking. Let's kick it off.
2: So, um, I know.
1: You is- know. You, there was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, right. all the swag from Matt. Pick 32. We're going linebacker. Kenneth Moore out of Oklahoma, Matty.
2: Yeah. So in this mock draft that we ran through, we got lucky. I'm assuming that Patrick Queen went off the board to one of the teams in front of us that won a linebacker. The the Chiefs are in a rough spot at 32, just to start this with. There's like four teams drafting that made the playoffs. They all really could use a linebacker. And when you get to that point in the draft, that's where linebackers are often going to be going. So we get lucky. Kenneth Murray slides out of there ultra-athletic, explosive linebacker out of Oklahoma. This man can fly around the field. He's got sideline to sideline speed. He's got the size you want to play as a mic or whatever position you want him to. The athleticism to play in the will spot. He's a dominant blitzer on third downs. He will have some of the best blitz reps you've ever seen out of a linebacker coming up the middle. Like He is the kind of player that the Chiefs need. My only concern with Kenneth Murray is he doesn't have a lot of experience in coverage. Oklahoma preferred to blitz him on third downs. He definitely has the athleticism to drop into zone or to chase running backs around he just hasn't done it a ton so that would be a learning curve but as far as adding some athleticism to this linebacker group and a guy that will make plays that will not let kyle use outrun you free to the corner he would not let that happen
1: i uh one of my biggest concerns about kenneth murray was coverage um and if you're going to invest that early of a pick like not there wasn't a ton of there wasn't a ton of snaps where you got to see him playing in coverage, but the ones I did, I was a little bit underwhelmed by. I think he's, but here's the thing: I think he's got all the athletic traits capable to do it. Like I really think he can be good in coverage. Uh, as, you know, as he develops, as he gets into you know into an NFL um, you know lifestyle where he's got you know he's got coaches that are gonna help him. Uh, there, there's a lot of potential there. I've not been as big on drafting a linebacker early as these guys have. It's taken me a while and honest to come around on it. And really the reason I'm, I'm I'm around on it now is because the Chiefs won a Super Bowl. I feel a little bit more free about this. And after watching that Super Bowl, the biggest problem with the Chiefs defense was the linebackers. Like it was the corners were not good either. And we're going to address corner here in a second. But the the, the linebackers need help. And they needed some. They need desperately need some athleticism an injection of athleticism into that group. Okay, sixty-three. The kit. The the sixty-threeers picking sixty-third. The Chiefs acquire that pick uh, in the Frank Clark trade. Uh, they get to keep. Well, they get to keep whichever one of uh, the the highest second-round picks. They had the sixty-three and the sixty-fourth. They had to give the sixty-fourth to the Seahawks and the Chiefs. At 63, take cornerback Bryce Hall from Virginia. If you've seen my Twitter account recently, you might have seen the hashtag Thornhill Hall 2020. It's election season. It's an election year. I vote Thornhill Hall 2020. Juan Thornhill's teammates at Virginia last year. Long, big corner. Willing in the the run game. Willing tackler. Um, Willing to stick his nose in there got good length physical at the line of scrimmage can play press can play off Good ball skills. I there's a lot to like about him I don't think he's a top tier athlete and the reason that he's down here um, at 63 is Because he broke his leg (laughs) This this season Um, He's a guy that I think could be tremendous value. I think he would have wound up in the in the in the first round Had he not hurt his leg, uh, so it's good value and a good football player who gets to pair up again with Juan Thornhill.
2: Bryce Hall 100% is the Steve Spagnol type quarterback. He has the ability to play some man coverage, so it's not that he doesn't, but he's a guy that's most comfortable when he can get his eyes on the receiver and his eyes on the quarterback at the same time. Let him go find the ball and make plays on it because he has. Juan Thornhill level of ball skills, maybe even a little bit better. It's pretty close. He's amazing. I believe he's only recently switched to cornerback as well. He used to play a wide receiver. Those ball skills really show up. And something I love about him, he knows how to use the sideline. The way he squeezes outside receivers into the sideline is second to none. and keeps himself in position to make plays on the ball. Like Kent said, though, I don't know if he's a top-tier athlete. That's the one concern you have, but you've seen the Chiefs already this year. They're okay with that. The way Steve Spagnuolo uses these guys, he's more than willing to sacrifice that. He fits that kind of physical, long, ball-skill cornerback that Steve Spagnuolo has talked about before. Bryce Hall would be competing to be in the first round if he wasn't hurt. I don't know if we're going to see him work out before the draft comes around, but his tape when people throw it on is very good. The Chiefs would be lucky to get him here, especially because of the kind of scheme fit.
1: He um, He's a guy that's going to wind up pretty high on the KC draft guy. Uh, just full disclosure, he's not, he's not the 63rd ranked player on our board. It's just the injury history. I mean, that's 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 the big concern. He's probably not going to get to go through the pre-draft process here. Uh, 96 pick 96. We're going with offensive line. Hakeem Adeniji from Kansas, a little local flavor. Um, he's he had a I think he had a fantastic senior bowl. I think he had a great senior bowl. Got better every single day was primarily playing in along the interior. And he looked the best in the interior. He was able to take on some players in, in, in one-on-ones, and and really hold his own better than anybody at times against some of the players that were having the most success, like a guy like Jason Strobridge along the interior in those one-on-ones. Uh, I think he's got outstanding feet. Probably needs to maybe put a little bit more weight on. He needs to play with a little bit more consistent base. But as far as uh, as far as upside is concerned, I think he has the potential, and he might even be able to play center.
2: Hakeem Adinji is one of those guys that if you saw like some of the early grades going into our draft guide leading up to the Senior Bowl, a lot of people would have been surprised probably how high Adinji was graded because he's this offensive tackle at Kansas. And Kent has you know, watched a lot of Kansas football live being a Jayhawk fan for some reason. I don't understand, but he'd watched yeah, a lot yeah. live. And then he kind of saw my initial grade that I put on that energy. And he just sort of like, asking me about it. It's like, yeah, it was one game first, not a good pass rusher. But, like I liked a lot was there. He maybe not, isn't the most athletic guy. And he maybe isn't the strongest, most stout guy, but he just seemed to do a very good job at everything. Sure enough, senior bowl rolls around. They kick him inside, which is something you do a lot of times. to The guys that aren't the most fleet of foot. And Adiniji looked great. He got better each day. You could contend to see he was figuring out guard as the week went along a little bit more. He had some of the best reps on day three. I mean, he has a good punch and a strong grip once he gets his hands on you. And something he does really well is I like his footwork, even if he's not super fast footed, he's got really clean footwork, but his hands are always working at the same time of his feet and together it allows him to mirror rushers very well. I think he has an incredibly high upside at guard. He gives you that chance to maybe kick out to tackle if he has to. But I like what we saw out of him, and it only got better at the senior bowl. I think getting him late day two would be a real good spot for a guy of his ability.
1: Yeah, and he's a four-year starter. I mean, he's got a lot of experience under his belt. He's played a lot of football. Came to Kansas because of a nut allergy. He was going to go to Air Force, and then Kansas swooped in and picked him up because of that. 128, Jeremy Chin, a safety from Southern Illinois. He's a guy that we got to see a little bit here at the Senior Bowl. I actually think this would be pretty good value here uh, this late because I mean he's a guy that you're kind of taking a swing on. He played against lower competition, um, but he's a guy that could wind up playing in the Dan Sorensen role uh, if you needed him to. Good athletic profile. He's going to play on special teams too early in his career. Um, And I think he's one of the more fun prospects to watch just in general
2: we're kind of going back to the same thing. He's a, he's a very big player. He's, I think he's about six, two, six, three, 220 plus pounds. Yeah. Like he's a big defensive back. That size doesn't make him move, poor, move poorly. He's not the most fluid guy, but he was given reps and man coverage versus bigger receivers and tight ends at the senior bowl. And he didn't look out of place. He does a good job using his size and his length and his physicality. So you could see him be able to play man reps in specific matchups, His tape is littered with him making insane plays with range and ball skills when you find that yeah, plays on the plays on the ball. I was that gonna say plays rare on the Southern ball. Southern Illinois film. He has some highlight interceptions, like some jaw dropping stuff out there. So he's got ball skills, he's got versatility, and he's got great size. I think he's not gonna be an elite elite athlete, but he's gonna be very good for that size. If he falls this far for some reason, like yeah, that's a steal. That's a guy that's gonna fill that dirty day and even a little bit of Kendall Fuller type role where he can play a little bit of everything.
1: All right, 159, the last pick the Chiefs have currently. We're going with Nick Coe, a defensive end from Auburn. I say defensive end. He's like 6'3", 291, 6'4", 291. He's a big guy that probably plays as an end, but kicks inside on rushdowns potentially.
2: Nick Coe is a very weird guy because you look at the way he moves, especially his linear explosiveness, and then look at his size, and you're like, okay, this guy's definitely going early in the draft. But here's the thing. At Auburn, he went from 13.5 tackles for a loss as a sophomore down to three tackles for a loss as a junior. Seven sacks to zero. Whatever was happening with him at Auburn this last year, nothing went well for him despite their defensive line being pretty dominant all year long. He played as a stand-up rusher for them a ton. They prefer those bigger defensive lines. He played as a stand-up rush in for them. He's still figuring out what to do with his hands and his body. And he's definitely a linear player. But he's got some explosiveness to him. And when he puts it all together, he has some incredible reps where you just see that power, the length, everything work together. And he just throws guys around. He manhandled Laramie Tunsil more than one occasion back in 2018. He's got some really nice reps out there. You just got to hope you can get them out of him. And since we're talking about Steve Spagnolo, bigger, thicker defensive ends, he's a guy that I think could really fill that role if you get a good coach. Hi, Brendan Daly, to teach him what to do.
1: I think it was uh, Tunsel a little bit later than that. I don't, Tunsil wasn't there in eighteen.
2: Who am I thinking of? Yeah, you're right. Greg Little would be the left tackle from Ole Miss that I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean athletic profile. He fits. He fits a guy that would fit along the rotation for Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, and if you know you can get him to kind of reclaim some of the more productive form uh, from early in his career, that would be uh, that'd be pretty nice value. All right, that is the first mock draft of the offseason season with the Chiefs picking at 32. I could get used to that. We'll be back with more uh, about the offseason, about the Super Bowl, you name it, uh, later next week. We'll catch you later.